You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. If there's one thing you and I know about life, it's that life is challenging. A couple weeks ago, I got home from work and I was wondering where my wife was and I went upstairs uh, to our master bedroom. And as I walked in, I saw that she was repainting the bathroom. And so it was a new color and it was very bright and she was excited that I was home. So she went to step down off the stepladder that she was in and right at that moment, that stepladder tipped over. My wife fell out of it hit the ground really hard. She had like a, one of those red cups in her hand that had paint in it. She had a paintbrush in the other hand. She hit the ground real hard. And, and the first thing you do when someone takes a fall like that is you've got to assess like what happened and, and panic doesn't help. So you got to figure out like, is she okay? What happened? Am I calling an ambulance? Is she doing okay? We got to figure it out. And so we took the time to be able to do that. What happened was she ended up breaking a bone in her foot and she has been in the boot for three weeks now. Well, let me ask, how do you handle crisis? And today I want to talk because I believe the scriptures tell us how we can handle crisis. What are some skills you and I can gather to handle crisis? Because life is challenging. Crises and challenges are going to come up from all over the place. Like school has been challenging this year for lots and lots of students. Work is challenging. Dating is challenging. Not dating is challenging. Marriage is challenging. Staying healthy has been challenging. Holidays are challenging. And challenging times reveal how you and I handle crisis. So what have you learned about yourself? How do you handle crisis? Do you panic and and flip out a little bit? Or maybe you're very calm and and you're very level-headed. And in the moment you do that, but maybe after a while you let down and finally then you panic a little bit or you you have this, the adrenaline's gone and you realize, wow, I've gotten through the crisis, but I'm not okay with how this turned out. We all handle crisis differently, but one thing is true crisis will continue. People will continue to die. Pandemic continues. Natural disasters seem to be on the rise. And many of you feel like your life this last year has been caught in a never-ending storm. You think like it's clearing up, but it's really not. There just keep being new challenges put before you. And along the way, you've had hope as your anchor and you've cast it out there, but you feel like you're being pushed along by a storm and your hope anchor is being dragged behind you in this storm. And the hard part for many, many people is that when challenges and crisis hit, you feel like God didn't show up for you. You feel like God abandoned you, that he didn't show up, that he somehow maybe judged you and became disheartened and he left you, or he was just unavailable to you in the moment when you needed him so desperately. But listen, God has not left you. God uses challenges and crises in our lives to be able to develop in us the calmness, the confidence, and the courage that you and I need to handle life's crises. The truth is God loves you. He loves you so much. And these challenges are going to help you become exactly who God called you to be. Well, here's why you need today's sermon. Courage is something that should be taken. It's never given. Courage is always something that you and I individually, even if someone's encouraging you, you have to take courage. It must be taken, it's never given. 
And at this point, as we've been following the life of Paul in the scriptures, at this point in the scriptures, in Acts chapter 27, we realize that over the the term of this book, Paul has been beaten. He has been falsely imprisoned now for several years. And he's finally heading to Rome where his final trial will happen. So he's boarding a ship, heading to Rome where he will likely die. Well, who is with Paul? He gets on this ship, but who's with him? Many Roman prisoners. Now, Paul has not done anything wrong, but he's appealed to Caesar, so his trial actually goes to Rome. But that's not true for all the other convicts who are traveling with him. These are actual convicts who, in their case, deserve to die. They're being taken to Rome for the final sentencing of their crimes in the ancient world. This is not a Disney cruise. Picture this, what if you got on a cruise ship and nearly everybody around you was wearing orange jumpsuits? How would you feel about your cruise? You wouldn't feel so great. Paul is not gonna be enjoying time on the decks for the most part. Paul is gonna be below decks as a criminal on a trip to Rome. However, with him are also a couple other people. With him are Aristarchus, who's a believer from Thessalonica, and Luke, the very author of the book, the author of the book of Luke and the author of the book of Acts. In total, there are actually 276 souls aboard this ship. In Acts 27, beginning with verse one, it says this, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. A centurion, by the way, is one who oversees a hundred armed Roman trained soldiers. So the centurion is the guard, he's the boss. Verse three says, the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. And in the middle of writing about this, it's beautiful because Luke all of a sudden writes down that there's this in the midst of crisis, in the midst of Paul having to go to Rome to be tried for crimes he did not commit, that in the middle of this situation, which isn't very good, that God shows something to be thankful for. And so we thank you, God, for a small kindness in the midst of crisis. What's the small kindness? That the Roman commander, the centurion, was kind to Paul. And I wanna tell you something, we can learn something from that. When in crisis, if you wanna know how to handle crisis, when in crisis, thank God for the little things. Thank him for the little things. So often we get wrapped up in a crisis and we're, we're so taken by it that we forget to thank God even for the little things and, and we need to thank God for the little things. Why? Because we're so used to complaining about everything that's going wrong, right? As people, we count red lights, not green lights. We notice the negative more than the positive. When was the last time you thank God that you get to wear a mask? because it keeps your nose warm in winter. I mean, is this not every woman's dream, fashion and socially acceptable warmth? Thank God for the little things. Now let's be honest. Who out there is you're watching church online today? Who are my glass half full people? You can just raise your hand. I can't see you. But as you raise your hand, you're the people. You can't help it. You always are gonna see the negative. You're definitely gonna see the risks. And you are suspicious 
of positive people because that's not how you work. It's not how you look at life. But here Luke, a doctor and an author, points out the favor of God, the kindness of this centurion to Paul, even in the midst of a crisis. So you and I, if we wanna handle crisis well, we can learn from the scriptures to thank God for the little things. If you're taking notes today, write this down. When in crisis, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. In Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse seven, it says this, we made slow headway for many days and we had difficulty arriving off Nidus. And when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete opposite Salmon. And we moved along the coast with difficulty and we came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lysaia and much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So they're sailing and the words that he uses there are very troubling, difficult words. They're not having a good trip. They're not making the time they wanna make. It is not an easy voyage and you need to know something because a lot of people figure that the land is a safe place, but in the ancient world, the scariest thing to people in the ancient world was the ocean. The most powerful thing that people faced and feared was the sea. Now, some of you might say, well, listen, I'm a trained, I'm a trained lifeguard and swim instructor at the local pool. And you might think, you probably think that you have all things swimming down. That is until you go to the ocean and you get hit and held down by multiple waves. All your swim training renders you powerless when the big pool called the ocean fights back. The power of water is immense. Have you ever seen security feed videos of cruise ships, large luxury cruise ships that are caught in huge storms at sea? All of a sudden, all that luxury and nice furniture and the dishes and recreation equipment is suddenly out to kill you. Even with modern stabilization, it's no match for the power of the ocean. Well, to the ancient world, where were the monsters? In the sea. Where were the storms and drowning? In the sea. Everyone in the ancient world knew or loved someone who went out to sea and was never, ever heard from again. Listen to the words that, Paul, that Luke uses to describe their travel. He said, they had difficulty. The wind did not allow us. He says again, with difficulty. He says, much time had been lost. And he says, it had already become dangerous. And sometimes that's how it feels in a crisis. When you find yourself in a crisis, one of the best things that you can do is keep calm and carry on. Because panic doesn't help anybody. Now, for those of you who put your faith in Jesus Christ, you must take the courage that is available to you through God's word and through God's promised presence with you, even in crisis, and his sovereignty, that whatever's gonna happen in this crisis, God is not surprised by it, that he's known it from eternity past, and that he's placed you in this situation right now in the middle of a crisis, and he wants to train you and teach you and develop you in the midst of it. But every time that you and I get in a crisis, or I do, especially if it deals with the health of one of our loved ones, we get fearful. And in those moments, you and I need to take courage. 
God's word is there to give courage to you, to encourage you, but you and I have to take that courage. We can't just be encouraged and think that things are all gonna be better. We need to take courage for ourselves. Courage is something that should be taken. It's never given. See, ocean travel in the ancient world, it was seasonal. No one sailed in the winter because the ocean was ruthless. But the Roman guards decide to proceed anyway. They'd already lost a bunch of time and they wanted just to keep going. Well, when in crisis, not only do you keep calm and carry on, not only do you thank God for the little things, but you should listen to wise counsel. Acts 27, beginning with verse nine, it says that, so Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and to cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable the winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. And this was a harbor in Crete facing both Southwest and Northwest. So what are they doing? They're just deciding. They're saying, this isn't a great place to winter and we're on the island of Crete. Let's go a little further on the island of Crete and see if we can find better parking for our ship for the winter. And most people, when it comes to decisions like that, people like you and me, we just decide. Most people... Don't ask God. God, shall we go on this trip? God, shall we go to that city? More likely, you're gonna check the, the health regulations and the restrictions to decide on your travel more than you'll ask God. You don't ask God. Do you ask God, are those dates actually okay for us to travel during that time? So what happens? What do we do? We listen to the majority, whether it's our own thinking or the people traveling with us or others around us, and we just go. But I want to let you know we've learned one thing in democratic nations, that democracy does not always equal wisdom. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't even believe in Jesus till after Jesus was dead, rose from the dead and was ascending back into heaven, James, his own brother in the book of James in the Bible writes this. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, we'll go to that city, we'll spend a year there, we're gonna carry on business and we're gonna make money. That's what most of you said in 2019 about 2020. We said that we're just gonna carry on, we're just gonna make decisions. And he says, why? You don't even know what'll happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. So what is James telling us? We do need to plan ahead. But as we're planning ahead, we need to seek the guidance of God. And even in seeking the guidance of God and in our own planning, we need to be cognizant that God is the one who absolutely directs our steps and knows the future. And so we should say, Lord willing, we would do this or that. Lord willing, pandemic will ease in the next year. Lord willing, this will happen. Because the honest thing is you and I don't know. We don't know what will happen and too many people this year have found in their own crisis that life is a vapor, it's a mist. And we must consider 
the active role of God in our lives. We're looking, Lord willing, to go to Israel in 2022. So we would say it this way. If it is the Lord's will, we will take a Sun Grove study tour to Israel in December of 2022. And I've been asking God as we've been talking with the tour company and looking at all the details, we're asking God, shall we go? Shall we or shall we not go to Israel? Shall we go on these particular dates? And then as we do our planning, as we seek the Lord, we hold it loosely under the sovereignty of God. Why? Because life's a vapor, it's a mist. So what do we need to do in crisis? We need to listen to wise counsel. And Paul warns them, but what happens? They go with the democracy. They go with the majority who decided. And Paul could have stood there and said, I told you so. In a way later in the chapter, he kind of does. But what he's saying is you and I, even in crisis, with all the details swirling around, we need to slow down and listen to wise counsel. See, many of you have shipwrecked parts of your life because you, not because you didn't know but because you didn't listen. So you knew, or you knew better, or you list, you heard, but you didn't listen. You didn't take it to heart. You didn't follow through on it. And many of you, at times in your life, you have hurt your, yourself, you've hurt your family, you've hurt your future because you refuse to listen to wise counsel. And maybe for some of you, you're finding yourself back in debt for the 10th time. And you go, why does this happen to me? And maybe it's because you haven't listened to wise counsel. Maybe you're in debt for the 10th time because you yourself are the common denominator. That the circumstances change, that the crises changed, but you're the common denominator. Have you listened? Are you listening to wise counsel? And maybe you're on your third marriage and maybe you're looking back and saying, well, I didn't really listen when I got counseled beforehand and, and I needed to learn some things, but I kind of just said, no, no, it was that person's fault or that person's fault. Maybe it'll be different this time. And you're wondering all of a sudden in the crisis in your next marriage, you're saying, how in the world am I gonna make it through this? How do I handle this? Well, you gotta list, start by listening to wise counsel. Write this down, when in crisis, Toss what won't help you survive. Get rid of it. Toss it. In Acts 27, beginning with verse 13, it says this. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. And before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. And the ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. Verse 17 says, then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they're afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis and they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Luke writes, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So even for the Apostle Paul, even for Luke, believers in Jesus Christ, 
crises can come up that are so bad that there's moments where you lose hope of being rescued, lose hope of being saved. You feel like hope is your anchor, but it's being dragged along behind you as you're being pushed on in this storm. And I want you for a moment just to get an idea of what's happened here. I'd love for you to look at a map and see how far this boat and its passengers were actually captured by the storm, carried along in the storm, and blown. It would be like they wanted to to stay along the coast of Crete. They just wanted to go for a few more miles to a little bit better harbor, but on the same island. But they're blown out to sea. They can't get back to the island. They're driven blindly for nearly 600 miles. That would be like you and me getting on a boat in San Francisco and say, you know what? Let's just take the boat south and winter in Monterey, just a few miles. But instead, you and I get blown out to sea 600 miles south to Guadalupe Island off the coast of Mexico, home of the great white shark. That's how far these guys got blown off course, captured by a storm, carried along with it, unable to get out of the storm. Well, they're in crisis. And there are instructions for what you and I should do in crisis. Right, when you go fly on a plane and they give the safety briefing beforehand, they say in an emergency, during the safety briefing, they say, if we get into an emergency, leave your belongings and proceed to the nearest emergency exit. What do they say? They say, leave your belongings. Plane has trouble? Get yourself off is what they're saying. Leave your stuff behind. In 2019, a Russian plane burst into flames while landing on the runway, and person after person in the video footage was seen escaping the fiery wreckage, holding their carry-on bags. What do they do? In doing so, they blocked passengers who were trying to escape, and 41 people lost their lives on that flight. Why? Because they, they didn't listen to wise counsel, and they didn't get rid of the things that they needed to get rid of in order to survive. And when you and I are in crisis, all of us try to hang on to things that really don't matter. Some of you, you get into crisis and you, you, you try to keep everything. You try to hold it all at the expense of your own health or the expense of the people around you or the emotional expense of everybody around you. Some of you, you lose your family, but you kept the house, or you lose your wellness, but you cling to a job that is making you unhealthy in the first place. If you're not careful, when crisis hits you, you and I will cling to worthless things and will destroy what really matters. So when in crisis, toss what won't help you survive. What were they doing on the boat? They tossed the tackle over the board. They, they threw ropes and bound the ship. So they not only had the boards of the ship, but they had ropes tied up holding the ship, hugging it together. They got rid of all the tackle. They got rid of like a lot of the sails. They got rid of almost anything because they were just simply trying to survive. Well, when in crisis, number five, take courage and cling to God. Take courage and cling to God. Acts 27, verse 21 says, after they had gone a long time without food, and you can picture why. Most of them are seasick, at least for the first few days so their body gets somewhat used to the tumultuous beating that they're taking. It goes on, it says, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. 
to not sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves and this damage and the loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Well, what happens? They have to take courage themselves. Paul's encouraging them, but they have to believe. They have to choose to take courage. They, they otherwise are trapped in their fear. Well, time goes on. The 14th night, they are still caught in a storm. Can you imagine a storm sitting over your city for 14 days where you don't see the sun, you don't see the moon, and it's worse when you're on the ocean because no sun in ancient times and no moon in ancient times, no stars in ancient times means you have no idea where you are. You don't even know which direction to try to head if you could head a direction. You're caught in a storm. You don't know at any moment you could be destroyed. Well, in Acts 27, 35, the story goes on. Paul says, now I urge you, this is after 14 days, to take some food. You need it to survive. Nobody been eating for all that time. Not one of you, he says, will lose a single hair from his head. There are a lot of men saying, amen, brother. Amen, brother Paul, to that. But after he said this, he took some bread, he gave thanks to God in front of them all, and then he broke it and he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Remember, courage should be taken, it is never given. So each of them saw Paul, they heard his words, they listened to his encouragement, but the evidence that they took courage was that they began to eat. They weren't paralyzed in their crisis any longer. They got up. They moved forward. They prepared for survival. They began to take care of their basic needs. They took courage from Paul and they began to eat. Courage is something that must be taken by you and by me. It's never given. Paul encouraged them, but they still had to take the courage and eat. So Acts 27, 42, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. And he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to the land. And the rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached land safely. So the ship gets destroyed, it's coming apart. They jump overboard, they grab planks, they grab other things, but everybody, all of them, as God foretold and Paul related to them, they reach the shore safely. You know the number one thing that people ask when they're in the midst of an ongoing crisis? is how am I gonna get through this? How am I gonna get through this? When will this stop? How am I gonna make it? How am I going to survive? And the way that you're going to survive is that you and I cling to God. Cling to him. Not to your own wisdom, not to the majority, but cling to God. It's God's word, it's God's encouragement that you need the most in order to survive crisis. This year, I have had to cling to God. 
I've had to take courage to lead our church and to carry on in the midst of a pandemic, asking God, when should we restart? When should we do this? How do we do this? We begin to ask, our elder board asks these questions of the Lord. We seek the Lord. We've had to cling to him. We've taken courage to take church online. We've taken courage to be the church who is not just a community of people, but now out in the community being the church. But personally, I've had to take courage in the midst of a crisis. And I got to tell you that God, time and again, continues to encourage me. There are times he said, Dave, do not be afraid. Why? Because I was afraid. There are times that he said, Dave, trust me. When I want to put my hope in, in a health solution, I want to put my hope in something else that the government can do. When I want to put my hope in social reform, God is saying, trust me. He's been very clear. Dave, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And he's been very clear. Dave, cling to me and listen in your crisis, just like in our crisis together that we share God is calling you where you are in your impossible situation to take courage and to cling to him. See, no one is saved by their own works. You and I must cling to God. And when we do that, his righteousness, by putting faith in what Jesus did on the cross, his righteousness becomes our salvation. And it's only by faith alone. It's not by our works. You must take courage And there are some of you who are watching right now who know deep down that now is the time you must put your faith in Jesus. You take your faith and you give it to the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. He paid for your sin. He made a way in your sin crisis to wash away your sins, to clean you up, to bring you and carry you safely into a forever family in heaven with him but left to our own devices, left to the majority, the Bible says that wide is the way of people who lead to destruction. It's the eight lane highway. But he says the narrow path is the one that leads to life. And Jesus offered up his life on a cross on a day like today when we'll celebrate communion together. We remember that Jesus gave his life on the cross, that it's his righteousness that is imparted to us, that when we give faith to the fact that Jesus died for us and can wash our sins away and give us new life, that we then are in fact saved. Don't let your life be a shipwreck. Don't go through the end of your life and shipwreck your own life by refusing to believe, but jump overboard. You can't swim there on your own, but Jesus will walk you there. He's the one who was able to take a sinking man and raise him to walk on water. Jesus is the one who will lift you up in the time of crisis and you can't get there based on your own goodness. You've got to put your faith in what Jesus did, the perfect God man, the only one who ever existed who never sinned. He was completely without sin, but sacrificed himself so that you and I would not be condemned in our sins and denied access to heaven after our death. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you watching today, then you just pray. Praying is just talking to God. So you say something to him, even out loud where you are like this, after me. Just say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I believe you died on the cross. 
to wash my sins away, that your sacrifice on the cross paid for my sin debt. And I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. Would you wash me as white as snow? Would you give me eternal life in your forever family? Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed that prayer right now, it is good news. Angels in heaven are rejoicing. You are a new creation on the inside. Your sins have been washed away. You have new life through Jesus. You don't have to fear death. We'll experience it, but you don't have to fear it. That your life still is a vapor. But when that vapor fades away, the real you, your soul goes to heaven to be with Jesus. And you can have joy based on that. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.